your channel because it's so good. I feel that you enjoy your job making your listeners happy. Best English radio in Moscow or in the whole wide world. This is Capital FM, Moscow, 105.3. We speak English. We play a hit. Capital FM. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Good evening, all. This is Capital Sports. I am Alan Moore. We're coming loud and live from the well, the the Enken Tower here in Moscow City. It is Sunday night. Our new slot from nine to eleven every Sunday. So join us every single week here in the studio with me. I have Mr. Andrew McLean. Andy, how are you doing? Very good. Good evening to you. Okay, and of course, we are going to have very, very soon on the phone Mr. Andrew Flint, all the way from Two Men. He'll be joining us for two segments this week. We usually only try to get him on for one because he annoys us, so we're, we're going to let him go on for a second one. So that, that's, that's okay. So, what have we got on our menu for you tonight? With lots and lots of delicacies, we have, of course, a little bit of a look back on that. Well, let's just say in the uh, Stade Baudouin uh, in Brussels, the game between Russia and Belgium, or Belgium and Russia, because Belgium are the home team, of course. We'll have a look back last weekend's FA Cup games we have the international matches that were played on Thursday for you as well uh, we'll have a look back at the Six Nations and kind of some of the, the flops that really you know well let's just say Ireland Ireland were terrible awful youth like we won't even mention Scotland Scotland put it up at the very very end they actually don't mention the first half first half was well <laughs> listen I mean it was just it was, if they won that match it was, it was going to be a, I don't know it was going to be legendary ok we will then have a look forward uh, then to what's coming up next week in the FA Cup and of course uh, in the Russian or sorry look at the English Premier League and the Russian Premier League I'm getting mixed up in my weeks Um have a little quiz for Andy, so just to see test his sporting knowledge, of course. Hopefully, nope. yeah, hopefully Peter 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 P is on the way into us, so uh, he will join us for some of that as well. At the very very end, of course, we will have some capital punishment. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get some victims, line up some people who really let down the world of sports this week. I'm not naming Ireland, of course. I'm not naming Declan Rice, of course. I'm not naming even well Scottish rugby team. They're off the menu, so they're okay. Right, we're going to get started. We're going to have a look back straight away at the Russian-Belgian game, which is played on Thursday evening. Finish three-one to Belgium. Russia put up a decent enough showing, but they just weren't all there. And I mean, I mean, it was it was a hiding to nothing against a team who uh, finished third and could have really gotten to the World Cup final. Yeah, absolutely. I think this was probably the first game where perhaps you try something a little bit different. Obviously, a few players pulled out for Russia as well. I don't think that would have been a big concern for them because, I mean, a point would have been a massive point gained. Um, and also, with the other results in, 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 that, in that group section, I think Russia will probably take maybe 60 minutes of being or getting close to Belgium um, and look at the positives from it and, and kick on. Okay, so of course, uh, Golovin, he got sent off at the very end, like, <laughs> the last kick of the game ever since. Uh, so 3 1, um, I mean, they, they, they went down right away. It seemed that uh, Guillermo, um, no, Marinato Guillermo, he, he got down late to uh, the, the shot that came in uh, for the first goal from uh, Tielemans. But at the same time, uh, it just showed how good Belgium were in the break. They just broke up the field. They literally passed Russia off the park and slotted the ball away uh, so we can't blame for that but then Russia went straight back up the field and through Cherishev scored an absolute like it was a pure Jubal hunted down um, the oh my goodness the uh, Belgian keeper he plays in England um, Carrasco was it? no no, no. Courtois Courtois Lawrence Courtois he hunted no longer him. yes sorry yeah, Real Madrid yeah Real Madrid he hunted him down chased him down and put him under such pressure that uh, he literally passed the ball to 
well, Cherry Chef, who won the ball, came past one defender and just slotted left foot. It was like a, a, a great goal. Okay. Then the man then, doesn't score bad goals. No, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. And then, of course, like that, that the, the penalty before half time, which basically saw the team going. If they held out, if they held out, they were playing quite well at that stage, it could have been a different result. Um, okay, so other results in in that group could go Russia's way, and Russia, you know, it's it's not a great group overall. In fairness, I mean, looking at Kazakhstan, Scotland, Cyprus, and San Marino, I mean, they have to be looking to finish second at least. Um, at the same time, Russia, you know, they, I mean, do they have more? Do they have more players to come through? I mean, do, do, is there more in the tank? I think there is a little bit of a concern um, with the Russian squad in in general. I, th- I think they lack a bit of pace, but what they do lack, I think. Currently, after the World Cup, they have this sort of buzz about them, this feel about them. I think they're kind of getting their tactics right based on what they've got. Um, The key, I think, for their qualification will be how these teams do away from home. Scotland have already slipped. Cyprus will be a tricky one. Um, San Marino is obviously going to be who scores the most goals, really, more than anything. Um, but I think Russia can be optimistic. As, as you mentioned, they, they had Belgium, not perhaps on the ropes for a period of that game, but they certainly looked like they should belong there. And away from home, tricky first game where you're changing things. You've had to make some, some late changes to the squad. Obviously, there was the early injury as well. Um, so, yeah, positives from what looks on paper, not a great result. But exactly. Yeah, I mean, OK, if we look at just the, the stats of the game, so 15 shots... Um, for by Belgium, six on target, four from Russia, two on target. Okay, forget that for a moment. 62% possession for Belgium, 38 for Russia. But Russia have gotten into that mode where even against Saudi Arabia in the World Cup, they were chasing the game. They were chasing the ball, hunting, hunting, hunting. So, you know, they're, they're in that kind of mode where they're actually a, a pretty hard-working team. Yeah, I, it's it's when they come up, come up against similarly set-up teams in the way that Uruguay are very good at soaking up pressure. Their defence lacks pace, so therefore they're going to bring people onto them, sit a little bit deeper, and then look to use the skillful players to, to, to cut through a pass or to use a big man up front to hold up, whether it be Cavani or Zuba. Um, and I don't think there are many teams like Russia that, uh, well, of, of Russia's ability in that group. So I think they will be a real handful for a number of teams. Okay. Uh, elsewhere in the group, of course, yesterday in Nur Sultan, well, or Astana <laughs> as it was, Dancing Nur Sultan. In the of- exactly. That was it. Was it was a great result? I mean, if you look at like uh, you know, I mean, we could name all different results. Like, you know, William Wallace, your boys took a hell of a beating last night. Um, that was terrible from Scotland last night. A really like lifeless and it deserved defeat in one way, but another way, you know, I, 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 it just they just didn't look even. Up for the game against Kazakhstan. Sorry, they. I really don't know what happened. Um, they were two 0 down within nine minutes, and I think first game of the qualifiers. There'd been all this talk about maybe this is it. Maybe this is the the first qualification since 1998. Uh, on that evidence, I mean, I know it's a difficult place to go. It's, it's a long trip to Nusultan or <laughs> Astana, um, but. Plastic pitch, the conditions, perhaps they weren't... But, I mean, Scotland were atrocious. Um, Fair enough, they've had, you know, perhaps Scotland's two best players, um, captain and vice-captain, both pulled out with injury. Uh, There were concerns about the plastic pitch. Ryan Fraser, the midfielder for Bournemouth, didn't play because of his knees and ankles. But, I mean, yeah, Kazakhstan made... I think they had something like three shots in the first half. Uh, Within the first 20 minutes, they were all on target. 
Yeah, I mean, ten, ten, 10 shots overall, six on target. Scotland had 10 shots and just two on target. Scotland had more to ball, 59% against 41. Uh, I think that was because their first touches were so bad, the possession was still, you know... <laughs> around the Scottish players. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, looking at it, I mean, you know, the... I, I thought that because I, I you you alerted to it and I was on the way to 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 watch it. So of course I was at looking TV yesterday and um, then I, I started following on my phone. I was thinking, okay, they could do okay in the second half. Bang! Yeah, yeah. six minutes into the second half and they could see the goal. Repeat. Uh, but I mean, in Kazakhstan. I mean, they are starting to to bring true players. They've been investing a lot in developing young players. Their youth um, development has improved, and they're getting players then who are let's say Kazakh um, expats yeah. playing in Germany Alexander Merkel for Heracles in um, Holland exactly so I mean there's all these guys who have European experience so they're kind of going in, in a way an Irish route uh, in terms of getting guys back in but guys who they're not granny rule players they're actually players who were born and bred in Kazakhstan but they're uh, folk Deutsch they're, they're um, Kazakh German yeah this say. comes from the uh, diaspora post World War 2 where a yeah. lot of the uh, the POWs were sent out to Karagandhi etc and even a lot of people who are of I mean they're Russian Germans Volga yeah. Germans who were all sent down to Kazakhstan to, to work in there so I mean they're all coming you know, coming back um, yeah, got, I, mean, I mean for a few of their players um, they have got European experience in club football. I mean, Astana proved a very difficult proposition for a number of teams. I think they got points off Atletico Madrid twice. In the, uh, Europa, the Europa League, yeah. yeah in, in the, that was the Champions League they'd qualified oh, for. that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously, they, they, Celtic, Scots, some of these Scottish players will have played against these these players numerous times already, whether yeah. it be for uh, Carriganda or uh, FK Astana. <coughs> They'll be aware of them. It's not like they were going into this game blind. They've played against three or four of those players before. Yeah, I mean, okay. So we look across then the other game, uh, Cyprus and San Marino. So a fairly handy win for Cyprus. Open against uh, little San Marino, five uh, nil. Now, I mean, looking at it, thirty-two shots on target. Uh, thirty-two shots, <laughs> ten on target, against one shot from San Marino. And it was right at the start as well. I don't, I, don't, I don't think they had a shot for something like 85 minutes. No, I mean, this is like 70, 79% against 21 uh, possession uh, for Cyprus. Okay, let's, let's, let's take a step back. And we look at some of the other results uh, around Europe, okay? Um, and other games come up. So, you know, if you, if you look at, say, you know, Andorra, San Marino... Faroe Islands and so okay Faroe Islands improved when um, uh, Brian Kerr took them on for a while uh, but sh- is this really fair should these guys have to pre-qualify for this no I don't think so I, I, I think the, um, the the Nations League now shows that what these teams are capable of Azerbaijan did very well in their uh, obviously it's Pool D the, the, the lowest ranking one but yesterday they gave Croatia a game um, this is a team that made it to the final of the World Cup and exactly. were perhaps a bit unlucky uh, France were very good on the day, but they were one nil up. Uh, Croatia, I think, didn't take the lead, didn't come back into it until about the seventy-fifth minute or something. So these teams can cause problems. They do have a number of players that are of a quality that, if they get their tactics right, they will be a, be a problem. They they will be potential banana skins for the top two seeds in each group. Okay, I mean that was again that game was in Zagreb last night. Uh, 2-1 to Croatia in the end looking around the other games uh, Macedonia 3-1 against Latvia Latvia of course had a man sent off um, uh, Poland winning away against Austria Austria that kind of golden generation that they seem to have had just as like with uh, Alaba and so on that's just dissipated uh, Hungary losing a local derby against Slovakia 2-0 I mean that's Hungary is such an up and down team I mean uh, 
Slovakia as well, but Hungary have, I mean, if you think, well, we, not even, not in, well, kind of my living memory, I remember when Hungary were a good side and a decent team, quite for World Cups and European Championships. And of course, they were one of the innovators in, in football, of course, the first, uh, well, the second non-British team to win against England. Uh, on English side, the second foreign team, Ireland being the first, of course. But, you know, if you look even around, like Israel 1-1 against uh, Slovenia, Northern Ireland getting a good win against 2-0 against Estonia. Very good start, yeah. Yeah, good for Northern Ireland. Um, but overall, looking at some of these teams, I, I, I am sort of worried about, about the likes of, say, you know, Hungary or even, you know, there are, there are teams there who maybe... I, I still think there should be maybe a pre-qualifying. I know you don't agree. You said you don't agree, but... No, these are European nations that, because they're now, you know, if, if Infantino and Co keep having their way, we're going to have, you know, 100-odd teams qualify. You need... The, the, these are big nations with a bit of history in, in European football. Yes, you could argue some of the smaller ones, lesser so, but I, I think they, they rightfully are there. And they do go through phases. You see, I mean, Macedonia at the moment... Sorry, North Macedonia yes, at the moment yeah. um, have a fantastic team. They've got Alioski, who's been a superb for Leeds. Uh, they've got two or three players that play for Palermo, who were, were good in, in Serie A. Um, they've got some ageing players, some youth players. They've got a good blend. Um, and you see teams like Hungary who are having a, you know, there's maybe a lack of development, yeah, or not, yeah. maybe their players are just not being picked out or scouted from their, their, their leagues. They're not getting the sort of transfers to Germany or Holland where they, they, they up their profile and improve as players there's no quite well I mean la, of course last summer because we, we did the uh, piece with Oipest uh, Budapest um, and discussing the quality of Hungarian football and seeing first time myself it's very underfunded and the youth system is very very poor um, I remember when a Hungarian youth team came into play in Croatia against a Dalmatian select and this was like a top so this was they were playing I think they came down for a training camp in the, uh, in, in the winter. And they got hammered by Hydrox Split uh, youth team. Um, and they got hammered by the Dalmatian Select. And they went up to against the Croatian national team and, and got bet like it was 4 0 or something in a, in a proper international. The quality hasn't been there for a long time. And this one thinking maybe it's, you know, I, I could see a, a chance to ring fence these clubs to, to or sorry, clubs, these na- nations to, I don't know, give them a second tier or something like that. Well, I, th- I think a lot of it, if you look at smaller nations like Hungary and that part of Europe, they don't seem to have this this culture, this development of this footballing culture, that breeding it through through youth, through school, through grassroots. Whereas you look at places like Croatia, Montenegro, they have similar pool sizes of players, but they are developing. Th- these kids are picked up from ages five, six, seven, and and given good training, as yeah. opposed to just a kickabout. That's true. And it goes the, the clubs as well. There is a history there and, and a development. So, okay, we are going to go to the break right now. We'll be coming back. Uh, well, we didn't get to talk about uh, the FA Cup. We will now in just a couple minutes and then go into the Six Nations, of course. So we're going to go to the break right now with House of Pain and jump around. Back after this. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. I'm 
Terminator Like Arnold Schwarzenegger Trying to play me out like as if my name was Sega But I ain't going out like no punk bitch Get used to one style, yo, and I might switch it up, up and around, then buck, buck, get down Put out your head and then you wake up in the dawn of the dead I'm coming to get ya, I'm coming to get ya Spitting out lyrics, homie, I want ya I came to get down, I came to get down So get out your seat and jump around Jump around Instagram, VK and Twitter. Text us on SMS, WhatsApp and Viber. Plus 7, 95, 1053 Add this number to your contacts. You're going to need it. Capital FM, the one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. Turn it up. The one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. And welcome back to Kappa Sports here at Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore. Sit with me is Mr. Andy McLean. And in the next segment, of course, we'll have Andrew Flint all the way from Siberia. Right. Um, Andy, just before we, we talk about it, how did you enjoy Siberia, like, properly? We didn't really get a, a full chance to talk about it because we were both in Krasnoyarsk, you know, we, uh, at the Winter, winter Universidad. Yeah, the scenery was, uh, from what I saw, for, <laughs> for the few hours I managed to get outside of the venue... <laughs> Um, was stunning, uh, and the centre of Krasnyarsk looked really, really nice. I saw it mainly in in, in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether it be first thing in the morning or when I was finishing late at night. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. There was a nice vibe to it. Um, people were all very, very friendly. Whether that was <laughs> because we we were the first foreigners they'd seen in a few years, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, I I really enjoyed it. I, it's a place perhaps I wouldn't go back to there in Siberia, but. I, it certainly makes me want to go and maybe explore it a bit more and see a bit more of the wilderness to it. Okay, I, I, I mean, I, I concur com- completely what you say. I mean, it was a lovely spot. Uh, people were very, very nice. I did notice there was a, a, a great abundance of alcohol on sale, <laughs> like alcohol shops. <laughs> and that just shocked me. There's all these different names like Vino Grad and, yeah. and like Vino Mir and. Uh, Beer, it was very like I mean it was it was amazing. Every and, corner, effectively, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? There was a live beer joint. Yeah, a lot, and, and and people were I don't know they were very very you know live. And then there was there was a, a, an Irish pub chain. I won't name what it is. An Irish pub <laughs> chain there that's uh, originally from of course not Irish of course it's Russian. But anyway, they had seven in the in in Krasnoyarsk. I think six or seven pubs. <laughs> so I mean it was it, it, it's something very very nice about it and the people of course are very very decent and very very friendly so right uh, okay we just got a message to say we have to have a look ahead of course at the games that are starting tomorrow in the uh, European qualifiers so of course running down through them uh, first one up is 8 o'clock kickoff Turkey and Moldova home win for Turkey it, if, if it's anything other than that Turkey will be very disappointed yeah um, okay uh, Andorra against Albania Albania um, yeah yeah Albania we win uh, Montenegro um, against England 
difficult one. Tough away trip. Montenegro have some some good players. You've got the likes of Savic, etc., uh, Jovetic. But England, yeah, should be too strong, you'd expect. Yeah. Even some of the players, they've got some players missing as well, but they should, uh, they should they, get it. They still should have enough, I think, in the, in, in the tank to to deal with these away trips. Okay. Uh, Luxembourg against Ukraine. Now, you, Luxembourg are not an easy team to play. They have improved. Their clubs have improved, of course, in Europe. They're, you know, they, they are, you know, it's a tough place to go to, but again, you have to fancy Ukraine to, to get that one. Yeah, Luxembourg have done very well in keeping games tight for a long period of time. So Ukraine will have to be patient and make sure that they take the chances when, when, when they present, they're presented to them. So, yeah. yeah, maybe a slender sort of win there, I think, for Ukraine. Okay. Uh, Portugal and Serbia, that, that's a big one. That's kicking off at 10.45 on Monday evening. That's a very, very good game. Yeah, absolutely. That 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 would be really interesting to see how Serbia will be maybe targeting that for a point or something there. But Portugal have an excellent home record. I think they've only lost three times in the last sort of two years. Yeah. Um, one was a, I think, a friendly to uh, against Chile. Uh, I think Sweden picked up points there when they qualified through the group with uh, when Italy didn't qualify for the World Cup. Um, so Portugal, difficult one because obviously, if there's a certain player not playing, it maybe changes the whole atmosphere the, 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 the mental side of the game for Portugal but they have enough talent there you would expect to do it ok uh, one that uh, also Monday at 10.45 one that a lot of hipsters will be looking at that the reigning world champions France against a failing Iceland team now I mean Iceland were everybody's favourite team we spoke with people from Iceland of course um, who were kind of just well no we're just we've a, a decent generation of players and all this with the Icelandic system what they're doing right and what they're doing right it doesn't seem to be working out right now. I don't know why. Um, it's still the same sort of squad of players, and they, you know, they're now more experienced. They, they've experienced the the tightness of when there's pressure on them to get results when they qualified. I mean, they had a tough run of games to get them over the line to qualify. Um, I don't know what's gone wrong, but yeah, France, I think, might be a step too far first game for them. Is it the case with Iceland? Uh, and again, I mean, I know they're the hipsters team and the whole, and everyone loves to waffle on about them. But at the same time. They, is it that teams have found them out the same way they, they found out say Jack Charlton's Irish team that they say well you know instead of just like we'll, we'll put we'll put a player in front of the centre forward so when the ball is pumped up to him we'll be out there to fight and collect the ball up and then pass them off the park yeah a little bit their profile has been raised off the back of a, a, some big results obviously the, the win over England in the, in the Euros always welcome <laughs> no comment um, so that that will have definitely affected them and then it's a test of the coach and a test of the players to see how they adapt to other teams now targeting certain you know maybe they've seen key players in that system where they'll put two players on them um, and you drown out one or two of them and perhaps they don't function so yeah it'll, this this um, this qualifier will be um, or this qualification process will be a real test to see whether oh, yeah, Iceland can, can go up a level good okay uh, Kosovo, I won't say Kosovo, Serbia. I won't say Kosovo playing Bulgaria. So, I mean, that, that that's going to be a, a tight one. Armenia, Finland. Uh, okay, interesting. Malta against Spain. I mean, that's a handy one for for Spain. Go to give them a bit of a baiting in Valletta. Actually, in Tahali, it's not it's not Valletta. Uh, it's it's well outside of Valletta. Uh, Bosnia against Greece. So that's a Balkans derby. Um, Romania, Faroe Islands. Uh, Sweden and Denmark. Mm, good, decent game. Italy, Liechtenstein. So uh, a country that's in chaos and then everyone's favourite uh, money laundering spot. <laughs> 
Uh, I, which I, is which? <laughs> I think it was was it Liechtenstein a few years back. Well, I say a few years back. Probably Don't talk about Ireland. Don't talk about, about Ireland. About six years back, I was going to say where Liechtenstein almost scuppered uh, Italy's qualification. I think Antonio Cassano, who was hated at the time. Uh, got a brace to make sure that they qualified. Yeah. I think it was Liechtenstein it was. that beat 2-1. And, of course, everyone um, in Irish remember, I think it was, would have been 96, it was kind of the end of, it was the end of the Jack Charlton era when um, Ireland drew nil-nil. I was in university at the time and just, like, couldn't get to the game. We were doing exams. I was like, and then going to play a game after exams, I was like, the game is finished nil-nil with Liechtenstein. So it was like Ireland drew a, a mountaintop. You know, but again, it's not fair because Liechtenstein have had some good teams. Like there's a team, the club FC Vaduz, they've been doing well in Europe. They they're a decent side, but you know, <clears throat> against the the selection players, they don't they don't have a big pick. Uh, Norway against Sweden, so a Viking showdown. Norway not on a great run. Um, you know, they're kind of like uh, I listened to Stig Inge Bjornby, um not too long ago uh, talking about. Uh, he was on Team 33, the yep. Utah podcast with Rafa Diallo, a friend of our show, and just saying that you know that that, that Norway have have some gaps now in their youth development, and there's other sports, you know, because uh, football is way down the line uh, in terms of you know uh, choice sports because they, they prefer the winter sports. But against Sweden, I mean, they're going to be up for that, aren't they? Yeah, Swe- Sweden are a very weird team for me. Um, they they've got some. Well, Sweden's a weird country. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the words out of your mouth, of course. We're just trying to detract now from weeks of Wales bashing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, every time I watch Sweden, I wonder how they win football games. There, there's something about them that's so slow in the build-up. Um, all the way from Marcus Berg up front, who is possibly one of the slowest strikers going now, aged, I mean, he must be about 48. Um I, I just don't understand how they break down teams. I, I find it very difficult. And Norway should give them problems. They've got a bit of pace about them wide. The likes of Josh King, uh, Elianusi as well, who's come through for them. They have gaps, Norway. But they also do have a number... Like the, the one good thing I like about the Norwegian league is the amount of young players that they blood through. And a lot of them will then get deals to go on to perhaps bigger leagues in Scandinavia... I mean, that's maybe no, 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 a, no. Correct. A bit, Denmark, a bit harsh. for example, Denmark, no, Denmark Sweden, Sweden. Yeah, where you're right. The Dutch league then scouts them, and some of these players are then playing Dutch football or even German football by the time they're twenty. It, but it's whether the the coach currently of the national team is willing to give them a shot because obviously there's so much pressure. Every game, every point is so important. Exactly. You don't want to throw in someone who hasn't really had more than a year of football at any kind of level into an international game. Okay, so uh, following Ireland's win against Gibraltar on Saturday, yesterday, uh, Ireland uh, will go home or return home from Gibraltar. Of course, Gibraltar played their, they played their, their first uh, ever game on, on the rock. Um, on the Brexit rocks. On the Brexit rock, exactly. And of course, the Gibraltar Gales, the Irish, the GA team, the GA club, they are just loving it there. They've been, they've been great. Um, Ireland, of course, home at the Aviva against Georgia. Now, that's going to be a tough one on Tuesday night at 10.45. Georgia are nobody's mugs. They are, you know, they're a team that can cause you problems. They're a team that like to show up and spoil the party. They've almost done it many times in Ireland. They've been very unlucky, um, and it's still early in the campaign that they still have a bit about them. So that 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 could be a tough one for Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, Ireland struggled before against Georgia twice, um, and Scotland have a history of mucking things up in Tbilisi as well. Um, they're a difficult proposition. Uh, and they've got some key players now actually playing first-team football on a regular basis. I mean, we've got Jano Ananidzi, who's now 
perhaps, along with a number of other players, change things round for Krylia Sovietov. Um, Ireland will have to be very careful, um, especially th- there's been a little bit of uh, a bite and criticism about the squad, about Ireland picking players from lower leagues in England as opposed to taking up the homegrown players. It, it's a pressure game for Ireland to make sure that they get three points and don't start off with a media campaign after game two of this qualification hounding them and you know just putting the whole atmosphere around this qualification down um, this is exactly because we brought back in Mick McCarthy of course the former coach uh, and who's who worked wonders at the likes of Wolves with at Roy Sunderland Keane. with Roy Keane <laughs> yeah uh, so he, he's Mick McCarthy is in there Stephen Kenny's taken over the 21s the former Dundalk boss and he will take over in two years time from Mick McCarthy now looking at Ireland's group Denmark Georgia, Ireland, Sweden, Gibraltar. So Gibraltar are going to get hammerings. Um, De- like you know, you Denmark and Sweden, or Switzerland, excuse me, Switzerland, who are two decent sides. Denmark, of course, who just absolutely walloped Ireland in the second playoff game, of course, for the, the yeah. World Cup. Um, but that's that's a very difficult group because Georgia are a team who can muck things up. So you really have to look at Ireland finishing a decent third in that. Yeah, I think that's going to be extremely tough to qualify from. And as you said, there is even a chance that they may finish fourth if they don't get things right early on um, and make sure that they they need to make sure that those home games against Switzerland and Denmark um, and Georgia, Georgia three points and against the other two, you'd you'd hope that they'd maybe get one win out of those two. But Switzerland are a very difficult proposition. Um, um, They have an excellent midfield, perhaps lacking slightly up front but they're a difficult team to break down and one of those teams like Denmark if you give them too much space they punish you and we saw Switzerland in the World Cup I mean they're, they again like I said with Georgia they're nobody's mugs and they're a very good team on the day so it's, it'll be it'll be very very tough for Ireland to, to come through that group I, I have a feeling they're going to finish third but you know I, I but again it's it's not, a, it's not a bad thing I mean if they finish third it's okay it's a building process and once, they blow, once we accept it in Ireland that that's what we're doing yeah. and blood players England of course can't Scotland uh, they can't have another blooding campaign it's, no. just, yeah, it's going to be a bloody campaign looks like it but like yeah. yeah there's been one, one too many and the, the, it, it's all down to making sure you get your squad selection right yes you can't you know injuries clubs forcing you to perhaps rethink the fitness of the, of the players but if you get that squad selection right, and I think Scotland didn't, for, yes, they had injuries, but I don't think they got it right. If Ireland get it right early, regardless of how they finish up this campaign, they'll be set up. You want to be tested. If I, I know each manager, each campaign, they'll look at it and go, right, we want to qualify. But if you, as long as you're being tested against good teams, that squad, if they're young, will learn from it, improve. And then you might have another eight years out of them as opposed to... You know, in two years or four years, they're all out of the equation. Of course, because we had the Declan Rice, uh, we'll speak about it a bit later, uh, the Declan Rice incident, and of course he's now lined up for England. And, you know, it was kind of very, very strange the way he was speaking about playing underage for Ireland, because he played, of course, youth and senior for Ireland as well. And how he supported them. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, they were like, this is his lifelong dream, childhood dream to play for England. He only played three times for the Irish senior team, or twice for the Irish senior team. You know, you know, Ireland are then like trying to chase players down, chase players down, and maybe it'd be better just to give the local League of Ireland players a, a run. I don't know. It's just a, it's an idea that a lot of people floated around and you say, look, doesn't matter. Like, just go back to basics and, and yep. at least build up a bit of pride. Well, you, you know? saw how well Dundalk did um, in in the Europa League when when they made it there. I mean, they were a, 
is in it. St. Petersburg struggled against them. Exactly. They were t- and it's not that they were a tough team to break down. They actually went out and tried to they play attacked. the game. Yeah, yeah they, they attacked. attacked. They played good football. Uh, exactly. Again, you know, against decent teams. But okay, we're going to uh, go out to the break now in just a few seconds. Um, okay, so finally, who would you think, which team uh, would you reckon are going to shock us all in these European qualifiers, Andy? Going to shock us all? Um, oh, a difficult one. I think... The big shock of this one could be Germany, in the sense that I think they may actually struggle to to, to finish top of their group. Okay, because they're in there with Netherlands, Northern Ireland, Estonia, and Belarusia, a tough group. Yeah. Estonia are, as well. They're going to try and put up the teams as well. So okay, we'll come back to the group, and we'll we'll be a bit positive right now. We'll we'll use a Scottish pair that'll sort of uh, <laughs> kind of light up our evening. So this is the Proclaimers, and on my way, we'll be back after this. With Alan Moore. I'm on my way from misery to happiness to be. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. I'm on my way from misery to happiness to be. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. I'm on my way to what I want from this world and years from now. Let me to your front door And now the 
And we are back on Capital FM. This is Capital Sports. I'm still Alan Moore and still beside me is Mr. Andy McLean. Andy, okay. Now, we're going to get kicked in the head over this, just like a a fallen forward in a rugby rook. Um, We had to talk Six Nations. I don't want to do, but we have to talk Six Nations. So, uh, okay. I'm I'm completely with you on that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know Scotland, Alicia, showed a bit of pride in the end. Ireland just absolutely fell apart. So, the result, okay, we, we will have to speak about what we, like our predictions and who won and so on in, in the end, because it, in the end it wasn't really tight, our prediction line, but let's run back through it. So, okay, France almost didn't get a job done against Italy. That I don't think that was a great surprise. I think this was going to be the one where Italy, home advantage, I, I, the thing that disappoints me most was the lack of, uh, lack of fans that turned up um, for, for that game. Italy... I thought were the better team for long periods, and then bang, one well, one moment, a lack of lack of concentration, one little breakthrough, one player gets drawn a little bit too close into to, to who they're marking, and France had the ability to to just ping off two passes and they were through. Um, it was sad, really, for Italy because their captain got man of the match, in, and it's very very rare that anyone on a losing side in rugby gets man of the match and that just showed you the dominance of Italy the thing that I found weird for me personally in a a rugby test match if you get the opportunity to kick I think you should always take three points regardless well that does make sense but but then again Italy tried too many times going for the line outs going for the line and if they'd actually just kicked all of their kicks and uh, Tommaso Allen, their kicker, were, had a 100% record in the first half, he start, slightly lost it in the second half. But if they'd taken all of those chances, all those penalties and kicked them, they would have won. OK, that's fair enough. And, and, and I understand that. I do understand, uh, you know, taking three points. But shouldn't rugby be more than just a bit like, you know, kicking each other off the park? In that sense, with the ball, I mean. But I think mentally, the other team... No, if they give away a penalty, that's three points gone, three points gone, three points gone. It plays on the minds of teams where perhaps where they might play a little bit more aggressively and get into teams like Italy and, and, and rock them a little bit and then ping them with a bit of quality. I just don't get it. I, I think you should always put points on the board. Keep those points ticking. The longer you play rugby without getting a point on the board, you become desperate and start doing things that you, you wouldn't normally do. Well, okay, that is fair enough. And what we would always say in gay football or hurling as well, take your points and your goals will come. So you score yeah. one point, like exactly. knock out of yeah. the bar, three, three points and it's a goal. So, you know, uh, two or three penalties, that's nine points. It's, in, in it's, it's more than a try. It's more than a converted try. Exactly. So, okay, so looking at that, uh, you know, it ends up that Italy finished rock bottom. Uh, now, they had some terrific matches throughout it I mean they had like they were a very competitive team I mean the, the loss against Wales they showed what they could do against Wales they showed like, quality you know, against yeah, Wales exactly yeah. and we're very unfortunate to not get a, a losing bonus point um, and then if you look through at, at how then you know even against Ireland didn't take them apart only 10 points between them and you w- I, I personally watching much I would not have begrudged uh, Italy a, a losing bonus point you know on that because they deserved it I mean they you know, they tried their best and they did very, very well. Um, and then, you know, if you look look on through it, I mean, getting hammered against England, you know, 57-14, as we know, uh, but at the same time, there's no shame in, in losing against England. But, uh, I don't know, 
where to go from here for Italy? I mean, they, you know, it's they're very limited in resources, very very limited in their players, but they have to try and play their own style as well. They have to play the Italian style. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a very difficult one for them because it's not a, it's not a big sport. They don't have many uh, many players that play in the big leagues in France or England or um, anywhere else really. I mean, the Italian teams are are not really tested to the same level as every other nation that plays rugby at the top of the sport so for them a lot of it will be down to their coach and how they go about things tactically what they do on the training pitch how drilled they are defensively and making sure that they don't give away sloppy chances like they did against well, pretty much every nation every team. exactly you know, um, this will break down in concentration once you get rid of that and make them a solid compact line and make it very difficult for teams to break them down they have to get clever that's when Italy can start picking up points and maybe progressing, but it's 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 mission impossible really for for nations like Italy, Russia, Georgia, Romania, Romania. Yeah. Okay, well Romania won't be at the World Cup, of course, because Russia got their place. Um, okay, Wales scored very very early after in inside two minutes, and then continued on. So they only got one try with lots and lots of penalties. Absolutely beat Ireland all over. Ireland scored uh, basically an overtime try in the 84th minute. Uh, of the game so I mean 25-7 I mean there's so so much criticism now of this Irish team the Irish coach who of course is leaving after the World Cup same as Warren Gatland as well Yeah, that delivered a grand slam for Wales well deserved a very very good team they had their moments against Scotland had their moments against Italy um, but and of course against France that wonderful tournament which we spoke yeah. about many many weeks ago uh, where they were getting destroyed in the first half and get back to win it that's a very good Wales team, but I don't see them doing anything in the World Cup. It's very, very difficult. Um, it, it already sounds like Warren Gatlin's going to rotate and try a few few things in the uh, in the summer. And the concern there is that earlier in this, I, I think it was after week one when they beat they beat France for that second half comeback, he came out and said they don't know how to lose anymore. <laughs> if they start fiddling a bit too much and lose some of these friendly, some of the warm-up games going into the World Cup, that could change the whole sort of onus on what they're doing perhaps make players think a little bit differently when they go and take on the likes of New Zealand um, but they do look like a, a really formidable team I mean, they really ground down Ireland I, yeah. I, I actually thought the Irish try at the end, it almost felt like it took the gloss off a Grand Slam and it's not often you say that because Ireland just played uh, sorry Wales played just so well from start to finish though. Ireland had opportunities like Stockdale yeah. broke twice I mean even it was a fantastic st- tackle to stop him exactly I mean, that, that, that was the kind of key moments that, that won will win him. you yeah. and I mean looking at it, it this came from just to explain for listeners it came from a cross field kick from um, uh, Johnny Sexton who, was, who's, who again has come in for a lot of abuse for his play but and, and then of course said oh Ireland don't have any creativity imagination but he put in this like at a critical time a beautiful crossfield kick kicked the ball across the field Stockdale the, the winger sprinted forward caught the ball was bringing it through and just was caught like uh, like basically grabbed around the ankles and, and knocked yeah. down when he, he was almost in for a try he again dropped the ball forward so then it was a Wales ball now looking at that I mean it was that was crucial for Wales to do that because then it just it really it stopped just, them yeah he just summed up the whole afternoon really for, yeah. for, for Ireland an, an absolute moment of magic and it looked for two or three seconds like it was a dead cert try and then yeah just an absolutely 
amazing tackle the way that he managed to get him down get four so that Sexton then knocked it on uh, sorry uh, Stockdale now okay looking at the highest the final game of course when there was nothing at stake except the Calcutta Cup but which Scotland have retained um, the Calcutta Cup is the one that is awarded <laughs> between these two teams when they play each other Scotland and England the highest ever scoring draw in international rugby 76 points so of course okay they've drawn all together so 24 points uh 24 po- it was 20, 31 down wasn't there 31 down 31, nil, 31 yeah. nil down at half time that was Scotland now my question did somebody did Eddie Jones did some of the English lads run to the bookies and stick on money <laughs> on a Scotland comeback to lose an under over by you know five points that have been very worried in the uh, 74th minute when Scotland took, took the lead again um, <laughs> but, and then it was so Scotland to lose it in the last minute um I don't know. I really don't know what happened. I actually stopped watching. I know. I, 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 I only I started was, watching after halftime. I think it was 31-14. I was like, nah, that's probably it now. Um, and I completely regret stopping. I mean, I, I flicked on right at the end. Uh, and then uh, typically I start watching again and then England scored another try. That's, it was all I saw pretty much the whole time was England just absolutely pummeling Scotland who were making mistakes left, right and centre. Yeah. I didn't see any of the good play or any of the... <laughs> the exciting bits of it um, I, I really don't know what happened I, I can't it, it was just one of those freak things where the momentum changed in the whole game and Scotland just kept on ticking and, and getting, as we said before taking kicks picking up points keeping going and as you said three brings seven brings five brings exactly and I, yeah Absolutely bizarre, but so Scottish to, to then fluff it right at the end. But even at the end, it, there was a bit of justice because as much as most people, even a lot of English people, de- detest that English team and the way they play and the nastiness. And, I mean, Owen Farrell should have been gone. Oh, they should have been sent two off. or three reds in yeah. that game. I mean, it was, it was disgraceful play with some of the English players. I mean, because they really... That high it, tackle was, I mean, no. oh, yeah. And when he, when he turned his shoulder and then lay down as if he was after getting shot by a gun... It's, it shows a level of nastiness that I don't know that it's back to the this is what makes me think England are going to win the World Cup because this is going back to the English team of 2003 that they had that not like Martin Johnson so on the yeah. they had that they really had a dirty nasty, streak yeah and, and they would cheat to do anything they could to win now okay whatever they put into their bodies that's, that's, that's their own thing because of course we know that elite rugby players don't take anything to grow bigger um, it's only amateur guys and like 45 year old cyclists speak for yourself Alan <laughs> ok alright <laughs> I give my age away so but anyway um, but you know looking at that, that, that Scottish team they have to take a bit of heart out of it in any case Absolutely, because they, I mean, they were ravaged by injuries. That was nowhere near uh, a first 15 for Scotland. Um, and the substitutions that they brought on definitely affected the game. And, and that will be a big positive. There's still a, a few players there that perhaps, for me, shouldn't be involved. Um, there's a little bit... I mean, Scotland had, I think, three wingers playing in that game, but only one of them was a, was a natural winger playing in the, in the correct position. Um, which goes to show it, it's one positive and it made me feel in some ways that Scotland might have a chance in that group now in the World, World Cup. OK. Um, all right, so overall, Wales won the Grand Slam top of the table with five wins. Uh, it can, just, uh, Wales seem to are very functional and play very Warren Gatland rugby. England second, Ireland third, undeservedly third in my opinion. Uh, France fourth, well, deservedly fourth because they're just so all over the place. 
Scotland fifth and Italy sixth. Uh, okay, so then looking ahead to the World Cup warm-up matches, I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting. Let's just look alone uh, at say you know the, the Scottish Irish and English game. So Ireland playing Italy on the tenth of August uh, at the Aviva Stadium. You know, it'd be a tough warm-up for them. England Wales also or so on the eleventh of August. Um, Scotland are then in action in France in Paris. Well, they don't know if it's going to be in Paris. Most likely Paris. Uh, on the 17th of August and then Russia travelled to Italy on the 17th of August to warm up as well that's going to be a decent one for, for Russia to go in because they can really get a bit of uh, a bit of bite into it can't they? Well yeah this is a Six Nations side that as we saw in, in flashes a good a functional they, they can they can hurt teams um, and then they've got Georgia I think almost immediately after that so yeah a week later they played Georgia uh, in the Dinamo in Tbilisi decent preparation in terms of how they how they're going to look at setting up offensively and and and, and defensively as well for for the world cup so it'll be an interesting one for me and you certainly to have a look at the russian uh, 15 before they play scotland and ireland in that group and certainly japan as well i've got some interesting fixtures there. i think fiji uh, be interesting to see how they handle big pacey uh, very direct rugby exactly um before before the the, the tournament gets underway, rugby. So of course uh, Scotland are out in Georgia as well. Uh, they seem to like Georgia. Uh, out on the thirty first of August, uh, two days after my brother's birthday. So they're they're playing again in the Dinamo uh, Arena in Tbilisi. That's you know again Scotland laying That's down Murrayfield, is it not? No, no, it's away. No, yeah, it's away from home. Yeah, and then of course Ireland. Uh, that uh, the weekend before, of course, they're playing England in Twickenham on the twenty fourth. So Ireland will, will need to get a bit of momentum. So we're going to see what Ireland te- what Ireland team shows up. A week later, Ireland play Wales in the Millennium. So I mean, that's like two dreadful warm-up games for Ireland, but still they have to they have to do it. Uh, rounding off, England play against Italy on the sixth of September before they head away to Japan. Um, Ireland play Wales at home. So okay, that's back-to-back games. So hopefully we'll get something out of that. Georgia play Scotland on the sixth of September. That's what you were thinking of against yep. up in Murrayfield. Yep. Um, and Uruguay play a South American fifteen to be announced. So we don't know where where that's going to be and who they're going to play now. Looking at the World Cup itself, that Pool A, Ireland, Scotland, Japan, Russia, Samoa. Um, Samoa are, are going to be a decent team to play. They're big, strong guys. They love to, to just smash people out of it. Um, there'll be injuries picked up. Japan, they showed the last World Cup that they're ready to fight and they're a much better nation than, than most people give them. Like People say they're good tacklers, good tacklers, and they've, you know, they've had 100 points put up on them and so on, but they're, good. they're going to be tough. Uh, you're looking at Russia to finish bottom of that group and possibly then a fight uh, for third place between Samoa and Japan. Would I be right? I, I think that's p- potentially harsh on Japan. Um, we saw what being the host nation can do for Russia in, in the footballing World Cup. Japan hosting the Rugby World Cup is not a sport that they perhaps will be overly accustomed to, but... Japan does have strong sporting t- traditions. We've seen soccer, baseball, etc. draw in big crowds, and I think they will get behind uh, the, the the Japanese national team at this. And as you mentioned, um, they've really, really, really improved, and they've got some tough fixtures in the warm-ups, and it'll be interesting to see how they get on. They've got one or two big, pacey wingers, uh, very quick, 
and it will cause a few sides problems and as you said Samara as well two potential banana skins for, for those but yeah okay. I'm, I'm, unfortunately for Russia I think they'll struggle yeah okay in group B uh, just before we get to the break uh, New Zealand South Africa Italy Namibia Canada it should end up with Nam- Namibia bottom Canada fourth and then Italy get getting into the uh, knockout stages uh, looks like England, France, Argentina, USA and Tonga. That's a terrible group. I think if England get out of that, they could go on to win the whole thing. Yeah, it's a very tough group, but it will test them early on and they'll probably stand, um, maybe they'll be in good stead before going into the to, to the real deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, final group, Australia, Wales, Georgia, Fiji, Uruguay. I think Wales will end up, they, they could struggle getting out of that group. They'll, they'll get out of it, but they could lose to Fiji and I think they'll lose to Australia. So they could end up in third place. I can't see that. I, I think they will finish top. Australia aren't as anywhere near as good as they used to be. They have improved recently, uh, but I think Wales will have a bit too much for, for every team in that group. OK, right, we are going out to the break. And, of course, the Six Nations has ended, so we're going to go out with the Seven Nations. This is the Seven Nations Army uh, from the White Stripes. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
I just can't imagine my morning without two things. A cup of coffee and my favorite capital breakfast show. Dina and Talish, you're great. Best of the best. Each morning is really great and fun. Makes my morning so much better. Love you. This is Capital FM, Moscow, 105.3. With Alan Moore. Right, we're back, Capital Sports listeners, and of course, Capital FM listeners, we are back here on the Sunday night 9 to 11 shift, the primetime Sunday slot. And it's the second half of our show. It's very, very strange that we've had like the second half of the show. We have the end of the first period, second period, third period. And now second half of the show. Yeah, we've switched from we we switched sports. Yeah, we actually we're, we're yeah we're, we're you're off your period and you oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> we're away from our periods now we're back <laughs> onto halves so we're on the other half now right um, we're going to start off uh, with Andrew Fintan in just a moment uh, he's just waiting on the line for us.